Thanks so much for listening in to the Saints Hill Church Podcast. Our vision is to see heaven come to earth, and we do this by equipping the saints to know who they are in Christ, to walk in freedom through the truth, and make disciples who change the world. We hope this message draws you further into relationship with our Father. And if you would like to give to the mission of Saints Hill, please visit our website at saintshill.church. And thank you. Your generosity helps to keep Saints Hill going. Now, on to the message. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Alex, and I'm one of the leaders around here, and happy Advent to all of you. Uh, Go ahead and turn your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1, it's in the New Testament. It's one of the four, uh, what I like to call the documentaries of Jesus. Uh, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. And once you're there at John 1, let's go ahead and let's stand together for the reading of Scripture. All right, John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. What does it mean that God made his dwelling among us? Or maybe even more perplexing than that statement, what does it mean that a word became flesh? Well, there are depths incomprehensible here, but just to lay a little bit of a foundation for this morning and for this Advent series, I want to put forth to you this morning that God's entrance into history set a definition of his character for all time towards people. Let me say that one more time. God's entrance into history set a definition of his character for all time towards all 
people. You know, many have thought that if there's a God out there somewhere, then you must owe him, or you must owe them, or you must owe her. Many have believed that if there is a God, that he needs something from you, that God demands morality or allegiance or purity. But I would put forth to you in this series that a God who needs something from you would stay at a distance and demand. But a God who comes close, who comes so close that he becomes one of us, is a God who doesn't demand, but whose very nature is generosity. Here's where I want to begin this series. Why? Why become flesh? Why this generosity? Why this approachability? Why did God become human? Well, for this week, God became human to teach us how to be human in this physical world. God became human to teach us how to be human in this physical world. What I want to put forth to you this morning is that God's entrance into the physical world actually heals all of creation, and it heals our relationship with creation. And we need that healing because I think one of the biggest problems humans have is with their relationship with material. Their relationship with stuff, with flesh, with other people. See, we have a problem with material. I think, we have a, I think we have slides for this. We have a problem with material. From Eve and the fruit, Pharaoh and his bricks, Judas and his coins, the material world around us has the ability to reveal on the outside what is on the inside. Do you know what I'm saying? The material world around us has this ability to reveal what is actually taking place on the inside. Remember what Jesus says. He says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, it's treasure that reveals your heart's location. It is how we have ordered our physical world around us, what we've purchased, what we've saved, what we've uh, prioritized physically that will reveal either order or disorder within us. Now, our world is terribly confused, and the internal confusion, I don't know if that even needs to be said, said, but our world is terribly confused, and the internal confusion of our world plays out in the theater of our physical world. So just a few examples. Um, I'm, I'm going to title these examples, and then I'm going to give you the examples. First example is scientific failure. Any science professors in the room? You're like, wait. Um, <laughs> Uh, Yuval Harari, he's an he's a Israeli philosopher and uh, kind of a, a famed TED Talk speaker. He said this, he said, human rights are just a story that we've invented. They're not objective reality. Take a human being, cut him open, look inside, and you will find the heart, the kidneys, neurons, hormones, DNA, but you will not find any rights. Yeah, because there are some things that science cannot reveal. And yes, science may not be the best way to discover what it means to be human. 
Or take this example of confusion. I call this internal identity creation. You know, many believe in our culture today that you can be whatever you choose to be. How many of you guys had parents that they told you, you can be anything you want to be? Do you ever had that? I had that. My, my parents, they would, at, before, you know, bed, Alex, you can be anything you want to be. And I think that we mean that to encourage young people, but that is not a biblical idea. That is not true. You cannot be anything you want to be, but you, the, the, the news is even better than that. You can be who God designed you to be. And that's actually a different, those are two different things. See, our, our, our culture, we have this, this confusion around material because we think that we can be whatever we want to be. And so whatever we feel, we should express physically on the outside to try to make us be more that thing. And the problem with it is, aside from it, is just undoing God's creation. The problem is that, is that there is an enormous weight of identity creation that humans were not designed to bear. You were not designed to bear the burden of creating your identity. You were designed to receive an identity. There's also confusion amongst rich Western Christians. This is the next confusion with material. Rich Western Christians. And here's my experience. Maybe it's not been your experience, but I, I worked amongst kind of rich Western Christians for a while. And I, I suppose we are rich Western Christians, but this other church I worked at was even richer. And, and here was the kind of sentiment that I saw. It was this. I love money, but I just, I don't want anybody to think that I love money. So I'm going to go for minimalism. Because even though this chair is like $4,000, I only have one chair. <laughs> and so, or, or, or here's how it plays out. I'm going to give a lot so that I can feel less guilty about my love for money. I think it's fair to say that we all on this earth have a dysfunctional relationship with the material world around us. You know, James, he says this in chapter four of his book, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Dysfunction internally leads to strife with material externally. Dysfunction internally always, it must be played out in your life. It will always be revealed with material externally. And, and what I'm getting at is that our souls are linked to this physical world. The physical world reveals the state of our souls. See, I, I think that we have these issues with material because we have misunderstood what the physical world actually is. And what I'm about to preach on is something I have never preached on and I have never thought about until this week. So I'm going to give you it as Alex's thoughts. Not, not, I don't even know, I think it's true, but this is my opinion. Okay. So what is this physical world around us? The wood, the concrete, the sky, the trees, the people next to you, food. What is the physical world? I want you to listen carefully to this. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The physical world is the theater of God's heart. The physical world, what is it? The physical world is the theater of God's heart. What? Well, let me ask you this question. Why did God create? Why did God make anything at all? Why did he make a world? You know, sometimes you look at the trouble in the world and you're like, 
you just shouldn't have done it. <laughs> Why'd you do this? I want to put forth that God created because he had to. <laughs> okay. See, his internal world needed to look like something. He did not create out of lack. He created out of abundance. That's why it is let us make, not let me make. See, God wasn't lonely in outer space. (laughs) You know what I need? I need some companions. No. God had a plurality within himself, the Trinity, Christian theology, and it's let us make. Why? Because there's such an abundance here, it must look like something out here. So what I'm saying is that Eden, what is Eden? Eden was a physical representation of the mind and heart of God. What is in his mind and in his heart? It's Eden. The joy of laughter, the purpose of work, the union of sex, love, challenge, interest, purpose, peace, connection. Those things are all in him and they all need a physical representation. So, boom, the world. So that we can taste, we can see, we can touch the joy of laughter, the purpose of work, the union of sex, love, challenge, interest, purpose, peace, connection. Boom, the world. And as a result, as a result, material is here to do one thing. What is the physical world here to do? It is here to reveal. Romans chapter 1. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. What is this saying? The invisible qualities of God are made visible in creation. The creation of the world, the physical world around you, what is it? It is the revealing of the internal world of God. Do you understand what I'm saying? We are living in the heart of God. That is what we're existing in. And probably better put now, after the fall, we are existing in the broken heart of God. See, the physical world around you, all of the good in it, before the twisting and the not trusting of Genesis chapter three, is the theater of God's heart. You wanna go see a play about who God is and what his heart is like, enter creation. Which is why science cannot comprehend the meaning of it all. It's why Yuval Harari would say, you know, you won't find rights or values when you cut a person open because science can only say what something is. It can't say what something means. Imagine I give my wife a ring, a very expensive ring. I save up a bunch of money and I I buy her a really nice ring and I give her that ring. Science could tell you the material the kind of metal that, was, that it is, the, the weight, the, the color, the inclusions of the diamond, or whether it's a diamond at all, where that diamond came from, if it was lab-grown, or where you know, it existed before. But science could never tell you what that ring means to my wife. It can't do that. See, there is material, the physical world around us, and there is meaning. And there is meaning in the physical world around us because the material reflects a heart. 
It reflects a person. It reflects a surplus, a beauty. The physical world is the theater of God's heart. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the story of scripture says this, since the fall, the story of scripture says that this material, this physical world is groaning. It's, it's hurting. Romans chapter eight says this, for the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. Creation is waiting and groaning for what? For people to be saved, for salvation. So think about this, liberation comes for creation as humans come into the kingdom. Liberation comes for the physical world as humans are saved. Why is that? Why? Because the problem isn't material, the problem is us. See, the problem, I think a lot of people, you know, today they're like, you know, I I watched this, this interview one time with a very wealthy person and somebody who's not so stoked on wealthy people. And they, and they basically said, it should be illegal to have as much money as you. And I, I really think like, well, when, what was the evil dollar? Like, when did they make the dollar that it became evil? See, the problem isn't land. The problem isn't wealth or sex or luxury or a nice bottle of wine or an electric vehicle. The problem is that we have missed the meaning of material. And because we've missed the meaning of material, we have used creation incorrectly. The, the problem isn't material, it's what we do with material because of what's inside us. You know, the teacher of Ecclesiastes says that eternity has been placed into humans' hearts. Such a, such a curious line. Eternity has been placed into the heart of every human. Which means that we have an eternal longing. We have this, this internal ache for eternity, for things not to end, for things to live forever. So we search for the solution for this ache. Every single person searches, they spend their lives searching for the solution to this eternal ache. And like Augustine said, our hearts are restless. They're restless. And what most people who have ever found, all people who have ever lived have found is that nothing in this world lasts. Everything falls apart. All things fall apart. And the problem is that we have used the things, we've attempted to use the things that are falling apart material to self-medicate and do what only God can do to fix that eternal ache. You know, this is the very first sin. What was the very first sin? It's obviously not trusting God, but the very first sin was believing that material could do what only the creator could do. This piece of material, if you get it, if you order it, the material of your life correctly, then you will get the thing that you want, but it's the thing that only God can give. And this is why idolatry is the primary sin for all humans. Idolatry is the core sin. Romans chapter one, here's what Paul says. Speaking of a corrupt world, he says, for although they knew God, 
They neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. Next slide. Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Worshiping creation rather than the creator, that is the core sin. That is the most foundational sin, worshiping the creation instead of the creator. You look at any evil in our world, any dysfunction, and you will find worship of creation over creator. All of our lack, all of our searching, all of our pain and disappointment, all our rejection and self-hate eventually gets placed onto creation. Please fix me, material. Please solve me, physical world. And so why is creation groaning? Have you ever wondered, like, why is creation groaning? It is groaning under the weight of our worship. It is groaning under the weight of our idolatry because it was never meant to bear it. The purpose of creation was to lead to him, not to be an end in and of itself. C.S. Lewis as usual. Uh, He says this, the books or the music in which we thought the beauty was located will betray us if we trust to them. It was not in them. It only came through them. And what came through them was longing. These things, the beauty, the memory of our own past are good images of what we really desire. But if they are mistaken for the thing itself, they turn into dumb idols, breaking the hearts of their worshipers. For they are not the thing itself, they are only the scent of a flower we have not found, the echo of a tune we have not heard, news from a country we have never yet visited. Creation is designed to reveal the creator. It is not designed to be worshiped. You know, Buddhism um, has this central idea that you know, what's wrong with the world? Buddhism has this idea that what is wrong with the world is desire. And if we could just rid humans of desire for ordering the material world the way they want it, if you can rid yourself of desire, then that is where the world will be healed. Christianity almost says the exact opposite. Christianity says what you desire isn't what you think it is. It isn't the lifestyle of another that you desire. It is an internal hunger that only the sacrament of Christ, his incarnation, can feed. See, the vision of God is not spirit good, material bad. The vision of God is creation can be the access point of my love. You know, the advent of the incarnation is this. Next slide. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. It's love. 
For God so loved the world that he gave his son. His love had to look like something physical. You know, uh, this week, I've had a couple, um, two different moments where I have um, seen somebody who uh, had, in both cases, had a disability. And my heart, as I, as I witnessed the, these two different people, my heart was overwhelmed with this warm, uh, almost pit in my stomach of compassion. Do you know what I'm talking about? When you really feel compassion, it is intoxicating. It is so powerful when you feel compassion for somebody. When you start, when you say, I wonder what it would be like. I wonder how difficult that must be. You would almost do anything for them. You know what I mean? You're like, I would do anything for you. See, compassion doesn't get, gain you anything in this world physically, but it's so powerful because it recognizes a spiritual truth about the value of a human and their purpose and the way that God feels about them and how he sees them. Compassion is that thing that gets you congruent, your heart congruent with his. You are now seeing creation and people the way that they were designed to be seen. You know, with both of these people, you know, I, I imagine, you know, what would it be like to have that disability? What would it be like to have that sort of uh, disadvantage in this world? That kind of pain, that kind of, you know, when you walk into a room, everybody notices. And this is what we learn in the incarnation. God did not stand at a distance wondering what it might be like to be us. He came into his creation and he experienced it. For God so loved the world that he gave. He came and he experienced the fear, the pain, the panic, the anxiety that we all experience in this life. And he simply looks at you this Christmas season and he says, I know. I know what it's like. And that's what makes him so desirable, isn't it? That's what makes him so approachable. That is why the incarnation, the incarnation, this logos, this word, this divine heart has been made visible. Love has to look like something and it looks like Jesus Christ. God's love had to become physical so that we could say, ah, I see you now. This is why we give physical gifts for Christmas. You know, there's a, I think, I think we should be careful of materialism, obviously. I do not think materialism is the biggest problem that Westerners face. I really don't. I think that we have misunderstood the meaning of material and so we've misused it. See, we give physical gifts for Christmas because, because I'm showing you a spiritual reality. I'm showing you love and honor and my gratitude for you through this physical gift. I know it's, it, it could never, it could never surmise and, and summarize all that you are, but it is a token to show you what you mean spiritually. So just like God put on flesh and gave himself to us, we give physical gifts to represent spiritual truths. You know, this is a mystery, mysterious passage, but I want to say if the word became flesh, then flesh is a language. Our lives are language. You know, to smile at someone or to learn to play the violin, 
speaks something. It speaks something different than to get drunk or to cheat on your spouse. One thing tells the truth about what it means to be human. The other thing tells a lie because flesh is language. And if God could use creation, if he could use a human body to express his love, to be a space where heaven and earth overlap, then we too, I wanna say this, we too have the potential to use creation to be the same overlap. Here's, here's an example of what, I, what I'm getting at. Uh, for our anniversary, I bought my wife uh, a nice watch. It, it's not that nice, but to me, it was an expensive and nice watch. The value of the watch, the craftsmanship, just the raw number of how much the watch costs, the craftsmanship of what it takes to make that watch, the design that it took to design the watch, they're not excessive, but they're excellent. And the excellence of the material says something about the value and meaning of Emily when I give it to her. You're worth this much. You're worth more than this, but let this be a token. It isn't much, but this points to a spiritual truth about what you mean. Do not fall into the trap of beating up on materialism at the expense of actually using the material to express honor and truth and love to the people around you. What you own, this is not a prosperity gospel thing, but I want to say this, what you own says a lot about who you think you are. What you give says a lot about who you think you are and who you think they are. And just like that, when we, when we see the creation that way, flesh speaks again. And like in the incarnation, the physical becomes the theater for the heart of God. The physical gift becomes the theater. You wanna know what God is like? He's like this. So, Imagine a people, we've been up here. Can you feel that? We're gonna come down here. Imagine a people, imagine a people who really get this, who saw creation and saw that creation shouldn't be shunned. Oh, creation bad. And creation also shouldn't be worshiped, but that creation should be seen the way that God sees it, as sacramental space, as an opportunity to express the divine heart. That's gonna look like something, isn't it? Don't you think that's gonna look like something? I don't know what it's gonna look like for you. It would be foolish of me to stand up here and say, it's gonna look like this for you. It's gonna look like this for you. So you should do this and you should give this and you should buy this and you should be this. You should find out from him what it's gonna look like. What does this look like? For me to use creation as sacramental space to express the divine heart. I had a lunch with a friend this last week and uh, somebody who's been at the church from the very beginning. Some of the first people I ever met when we moved to Newburgh. Um, and uh, he, he told me this story. He said, you know, um, I was at this, because uh, we like to share testimonies whenever we get together. He's always got a lot of good ones. He said, you know, I was at um, this uh, burrito spot that will go unnamed. I was at this burrito spot and uh, the gal at the counter, um, we go to, to place our order and the gal at the counter is just grumpy. She's just grumpy. She's just annoyed. She's kind of like, what are you doing here? And why, you know, I was playing Candy Crush and now you're trying to make me work. Stop that. 
And, you know, so he could tell, okay, something's off, right? Uh, but they order their food and they go to their table and suddenly God says to him, I want you to go bless her. I want you to tell her, you are in no way an orphan. Ah. He thought about that and he thought, okay, um, well, you know, if you give me the opportunity, if you give me an opportunity where our paths cross, then I'll share it. Well, he happened to be, you know, bussing his table, putting his things away, and their paths crossed. And he said, hey, you know, um, I want to tell you something. I feel like God told, told me to tell you that you are in no way an orphan. And she's like, what did you just say to me? It's like, uh, well, I feel like God told me to tell you that you are in no way an orphan. And all of a sudden, a smile. <laughs> Hadn't seen a smile on her face the whole time. Smile. And she said, you know, I'm going to be thinking about that. It's simple. But it's the physical act of I will use my flesh, in this case, to literally speak a word. When you do that, it's the same thing the incarnation did. What, it's a physical sign. What if there was a God? And what if he knows you? What if he's thinking about you? What if he's speaking to you? Guys, we are living in the theater of God's broken heart and it is our design to seed his world with hope, with potential and with possibility. And that is the very beginning of the meaning of Advent. Let's stand together. Thanks for listening. If we can do anything to help you, or if you want to stay in the loop with what is going on in and around the church, you can follow us on Instagram, download the Saints Hill app in the App Store, or visit our website.